question for you. Have you ever uh, been listening to someone on the phone? Like you're not on the phone, but you, they're on the phone talking to somebody and uh, you, you think they're talking to somebody, but then they say something that uh, if, if, if they are talking who you think they were, then it would be something, you know, maybe inappropriate. Or, and uh, in our house, I'd say that Elora talks on the phone a bit more than I do. And so, um, some, hold on one second. They're giving me signals. Is that for 30 or 35? Okay. So I got a little more time. <laughs> They're telling me how much time I got left. I'm like, I need, I need more time. Um, but you're, you're, you're listening. So Elora's often on the phone and I'm always like, who, who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? It's just our, our comment. And, and once she tells me, I'm still sometimes shocked at what she said, but actually I'm like, oh, that, that, that makes sense. Uh, and it's the same way if you've ever read a letter, especially a letter that wasn't written to you. Like it's just hard to know like all the, the context, everything surrounding the, the letter. And so I have an, an example. I'm going to read a letter for you and then we'll, we got a couple questions from the letter. But uh, so this is a letter. It says, I just wanted to apologize for my stupidity on Wednesday night. I don't know what my problem was. I hope that you were not too offended by me. I always want you to know, I want you to know that I was not mad but frustrated, but that I should not have even been that. For some reason, I'd like to know exactly what's on people's minds, but I realize there is a time to share certain things. Yes, I know that sometimes I do not like to be wrong or corrected, but I'm trying to get better about this. Sometimes I may be a little too blunt. Uh, You can tell me if this occurs. Sorry, sorry if you were worried about this. I just wanted you to know that I felt horrible. So, now, without context, you're, you're listening on this letter. You're like, what? What is going on? And um, is it like, do these people know each other? Are they, are they friends? Um, is this letter written 100 years ago? Is it written last week? Like, wh- why, what did the person do? that made them feel so horrible that they had to apologize. Like just without that context, we just, we don't know. And, um, and did, the, did the recipient ever forgive the, the writer of the letter? So maybe it would help you to know that um, this letter was actually written and, and sent through electronic mail or email about 18 years ago when Elora and I uh, began... Uh, becoming Elora and I, before, before we were official um, and we were in the early stages of our relationship and exploring if this, you know, if, if this was where our life was, was taking us. And uh, now I'm going to let you guess who the writer of the letter, I'm not going to tell you, but if you want to guess, in the comments you can write Matthew, you can write Elora, we won't be uh, offended. Um, but it, without context, it's hard to know. And, and you might be thinking, Matthew, what what does this have to do with the Bible, with Jesus? Well, the New Testament is composed of 27 literary works. And of those 27, uh, 21 are letters. Letters written from, um, from one person to, to another person or, or to a church. And these letters, they, uh, of, all, of all of Scripture, the letters seem to feel most approachable. They seem to be uh, most ap- applicable because uh, I think we like to read the letters as if they were um, written directly to us because a lot of times it it's even has the pronouns of you in, in the letters themselves. So like in Romans, it says, 
do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm like, oh, that, that's my mind. And then it goes on to say, then you, that's me, will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and, and perfect will. And so the, the letters are just a bit easier for us to grasp, but I want us to remember it as we look at these letters in the New Testament, that they are that. They are letters written not originally to me, not originally to you, but to specific individuals and, and Jesus communities in a specific time, a specific place, a specific culture. And so then we have to ask about the context, like what's going on around the, um, the writing of, of these, these letters. And so, um, and I'm, I'm providing this background today because for the next couple months, we're going to be looking at one of these letters. And, and so I want to provide some, some framework, some context, uh, not just for, for Philippians, but for how we read the New Testament in, in general. Uh, but Philippians is it's filled with memorable sayings, sayings that you, you may not even know they're in the Philippians, but you may have heard someone quote them or a, a grandmother quote them. But things like, I can do all things through him who gives me you might hurt strength, right? Or for me to live is, is Christ, to die is gain. Or some other ones, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything, but prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request to God. And then it goes on to say that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so these are just some treasured verses that we know. But I think instead of just looking at individual verses, if we're able to, to step back and see the big picture, see the, the context for, for when and how and what's going on, that we, we, don't, we won't throw out these verses, but I think they'll have even a deeper richness to them. We, we want to find out where Philippians fits in the, the larger story of what God is doing in the world, in history, in redemption. So I just need to give you a, a bit of culture, background of the time and place, and uh, a couple of things you need to know as we begin to look at Philippians is, is that Rome ruled everywhere. And Caesar was king and Caesar was lord. And Rome, they conquered and they enslaved their enemies and it was, it was their way, toe the line, or face the consequences. There was, there was no in-between. And, and power and wealth were limited to the very elite upper class. And, and there wasn't much movement in society. Like if you were, if you were born poor, then that that's, was your status in life. Uh, there was on occasion the opportunity for some men to improve their station in life. In life. But if, if you were a woman, if you were poor, if you were a slave, if you were a child, you were a second-class citizen at best. And, and then you have these, these Jesus communities that are springing up all around the Roman Empire. And within these Jesus communities, these, these distinctions uh, are, are thrown out the window, basically. And every, everyone is, is given honor. They're given dignity. And it was a countercultural movement. And so when we see these letters in the New Testament, if we place them in their context, they are all, all countercultural where uh, they're centered around how this new people of God, men and women and slave and free, rich and poor, Jew and Gentile live as this united people of God under the Roman Empire. 
And so Paul writes the majority of the New Testament letters, and, and he clearly understands that there are different cultures, uh, different statuses, but he wants the brothers and sisters to be unified despite those differences. And so many of the letters have to, to do with that very thing. Like, what does it look like for us as the people of God to live under Roman rule, but under the kingship of King Jesus? So we don't live in ancient Rome. Our struggles are not their struggles. We, we don't have the, the same structures, the same classes, though there's not e- equality, but just the, the level of, of separation was, was so much greater. And so these letters, they're not written directly to us. But the Holy Spirit, through history, has seen fit to, to include these letters in Scripture so that now, as we read them and they study, they become the Word of God for us, for us. And so as we look at these letters, we want to see that what, what Paul and what other writers are doing are they are challenging the cultural norms and the expectations of the day. And as we study them, we're going to begin to see how that same Scripture challenges our cultural norms and expectations, how we too are challenged. So I want to dive into Philippians and, and they keep giving me the, you know, the countdown back there. And I think I've got about five, five minutes. I just, I just, five minutes, just, just say it. Elora said, just say it. Uh, so Philippians chapter one, verse one. You know, uh, it's almost been six months since we're meeting online and not in person. And I understand online communication and like, it's, it's just, you know, nobody wants to sit there and watch a, a long video. And, and when we get back in person, it's just fair warning. That first sermon, it might be a little longer than, uh, than average because it's, anyway. Uh, so Philippians chapter one, verse one, right at the beginning. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi together with all the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, now this was a pretty standard greeting in, in Greco-Roman world. You, you said who you were, you, you greeted your recipients. Uh, so that was pretty standard. And, and Paul Again, just for, for background, and, and next week we'll dive more into more in-depth in, into Philippians, uh, the actual verses. Um, but Paul had started this church in Philippi. In fact, it was the first church in Europe that, that Paul had started. And, um, and Paul doesn't typically stay in one place too long. He starts these Jesus communities, house churches, raises up leaders, and then he goes and does it again somewhere else. And now he's writing a letter back to the church in Philippi. Um, and, and Philippi was a Roman colony where they had a strong allegiance to Rome. And the reason was many of the retired soldiers from the Roman ar- army were given estates when they retired in Philippi. And, and the goal of Rome was to take Roman culture and to transplant it to the places where they had conquered. And so in Philippi, the, the goal of uh, when, when these soldiers were, were transplanted there and allowed to settle there was to perpetuate the power and the culture of Rome in, in Philippi. And so when Paul comes to Philippi and he begins preaching about this King Jesus or that Jesus is Lord and the people in Philippi are um, used to Caesar is Lord 
it creates a bit of tension, a, a bit of resistance because they're pledging allegiance to Rome. And Paul is pledging allegiance to King Jesus. And so right off the bat, Paul gets in trouble. And I'm gonna, I'll pick up, I'll tell you what, what happened uh, next week. Uh, but just for the, for the sake of time, Najee, I think we're running out of, out of time if you want to come back up. I'm going to skip, skip ahead. Um, but Paul gets arrested. Um, and long, long story short, the church is birthed out of resistance and right in the middle of persecution. And even though Paul ends up leaving Philippi, the church is still in that, in that place of resistance and place of persecution and place of where the culture of following Jesus was counter to the culture of Rome. And so uh, there's, there's just a lot going, going on in this letter that we can't get to today. But even the, the first two verses are so uh, pregnant with theology and uh, so just for, just for example here, as I conclude, he says, grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And this was Paul's standard way of, of greeting uh, in his letters. And if you memorize that one verse, you'll actually memorize like nine or 10 verses because of all the other uh, letters that, that that verse is in. Um, but the, the normal Greco-Roman way of opening a letter was just the simple word, greetings, or, or is actually the Greek word karin. But Paul had been so transformed by the gospel that he takes that, that word karin and he used the word charis, which is our word for grace, because for Paul, everything was transformed by the gospel, even the way that you opened a letter. And so he, he says grace to you and, and, and peace, shalom, the traditional uh, Jewish greeting of, of, of wishing wholeness and well-being. And and if we could sum up God's activity towards us in the world with one word, it's grace. Unmerited favor that we can't earn, that we can't achieve, it's grace. And so Paul, even in his greeting, he's bringing the gospel, grace, grace, grace to you and peace. And, and one flows from the other. Without grace, there is no peace with God. And, and so this is just a natural progression for Paul to say grace and peace to you. And I just want to challenge you this week before you, uh, you know, jump online and you're going to be a keyboard warrior. Like when we have been changed by God's grace, when we are living in God's peace, it should, like it did for Paul, so transform that he was able to then extend grace and peace to others grace and peace. And so this week, I just want to challenge you. I want to encourage you to extend grace, to extend peace in your family, like the person across the dinner table from you. Grace to you, peace to you, to that, that colleague at work who's posting in support of that other candidate that you can't stand, that you can't barely stomach. Grace to you, peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a grace and peace that's cheap. It's not a grace and peace that's just a fluffy, in the air, nebulous kind of thing. But it's bought and paid for by the death and resurrection of Jesus. So today I just want to encourage you, and if you've never experienced that, that grace, uh, I'd love for you to follow the link in the comments that we need to have a, a bit longer conversation than just this few minutes online has allowed us to have today. Um, and today we're, we're launching micro churches and we've got them happening in parks throughout the, the neighborhood. And 
Uh, it's not too late to sign up. And if you're not ready to meet in person yet, we're starting a virtual micro church, and we've got uh, study guides for Philippians that we'd like to get into your hands. So again, follow the link in the comments there. We'd like to um, to get that. And if you're going to micro church, we'll have the books there for you uh, today. But just uh, just a couple more things as we as we conclude here. Am I am I at the time limit? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I think I'm over the the time limit. But um, this week my. My challenge for you is a couple of things. One is to go ahead and read the, the book of Philippians, the, the letter of Philippians. It's four short chapters, less than four, four pages. It'll take you 10 to 15 minutes because letters are meant to be read from beginning to end. Not piecemeal, not a, a verse here taken out of context, but just read the entire thing from beginning uh, to end. And then the other thing we're doing throughout this series on Philippians is we're going to be memorizing scripture every week. Uh, just one or two verses. And, and um, if you plan to do that, I mean, we're not going to be keeping track, uh, but there's something about hiding God's word in your heart. It provides guidance and comfort for us. Um, so if your plan is to do that, chat with someone, let them know what you're going to do, let them hold you accountable. And I'm going to let you hold me accountable so that each week when we gather, I'm going to uh, share the verse itself. So for this first week, we're going to start in Philippians 4, verse 4, and, and then do the next few verses. Philippians 4, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And then it goes on to say, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So that's our, our verse for the week. Uh, and then uh, just one announcement before we conclude with the doxology is that Sunday, September 20th, is our three-year anniversary. So it's, I, I mean, I can't, I can't believe it. And, and so for our anniversary, things I understand are, are different this year. But we're going to have a picnic at MLK Park. Um, we're going to have these uh, shirts as, as giveaways, new shirts hot, hot off the press. Uh, and a happy birthday. Thanks. Thanks, actually. <laughs> uh, we'll have a taco truck, cupcakes, and we will be practicing uh, physical distancing. So more information about that, but September 20th, put that, put that on your calendar. But uh, let, me, let me pray for us as we conclude. Father, I thank you for your word. That though it was written 2,000 years ago, it is still alive. It still cuts to our hearts. And I pray that as we enter this teaching, this series on Philippians, that you would open up our hearts to hear from you. God, in, in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of this election season and the chaos and kids at home, and there's so many distractions and so many things that would seek to pull us away from one another and pull us away from you, God, I pray that by your spirit, you would speak to us and that grace and peace would reign in our lives and reign in our community and in our city in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.